Welcome to Hot Topics in Kidney Health, brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation. Join us as we highlight the latest in kidney research, bring you up-to-date news in kidney care, dispel myths, and answer questions to help people with kidney disease or a transplant live well. Living with kidney disease can be mentally and physically debilitating, especially during a global pandemic. In addition, facing the difficult journey of finding a kidney adds a new level of stress. For Mental Health Awareness Month, we sat down with Tracy Doss Simmons, a social worker, Sean Marshall, a hemodialysis patient, and Ellen Dombro, a peritoneal dialysis patient, and asked them to share tips for coping with depression and anxiety that can come with dealing with kidney disease. Today, we'll be talking about mental health and kidney disease. May is Mental Health Month, so we are excited to discuss the topic that affects many people affected by kidney disease. Welcome, everyone. Ellen and Sean, can you tell us a bit about yourselves and how you felt when you were first diagnosed with kidney disease? was diagnosed with PKD about 27 years ago when I was pregnant with my son. I went to a geneticist and then a nephrologist once a year. Was a little overwhelmed in the beginning because I didn't know what kidney disease was uh, initially. And then I decided I better be an advocate and find out a little bit more about it. So moving forward in about, so around 2013, it was recommended to go for a diagnostic workup appointment. And you thought you knew a lot about kidney disease until that appointment. And it was a little more overwhelming. It went into, this is what your kidneys are in your body, what their function is. Um, you have to change a few things in your lifestyle. It was very overwhelming, and you feel like you're all alone and not knowing anything about it. No one understands when you explain it to them. So, yeah, I was a little overwhelmed. And I feel that once you learn a little bit more about it, then you can take control and feel a little bit better about understanding what kidney disease is. I'm Sean Marshall. I'm uh, from Ypsilanti, Michigan. I was recently diagnosed with kidney disease less than a year ago. Um, I've been on hemodialysis for two going on three months. Everything's pretty new to me as far as kidney disease goes, um, but I've got a pretty colorful medical history. I was um, diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 12 years old and have dealt with the complications with that and including an amputation and all sorts of uh, things that you know kind of kind of come with that whole package as well as hypertension and that's kind of what landed me with uh, kidney disease everything is kind of new to me right now uh, a little overwhelming just trying to, you know, put my head down and uh, kind of go through the motions with this new chapter in my life. Just trying to do the day-to-day. Well, thank you for sharing that, both Ellen and Sean. Depression and anxiety affect many Americans, but they're especially common in those with chronic illnesses like kidney disease. How has depression or anxiety affected you with your journey during kidney disease? Sean, do you want to share first? I've been talking to a therapist for probably the last 10 months or so. He's 
helped me a lot with the aspects of depression, I guess, across the board, not just with chronic illness, but uh, it definitely, you know, gets to you here and there. I do my best to be as optimistic as possible. I continue to tell myself that I'm on the hero's journey, you know, that uh, no good narrative is had without um, trial and tribulation and suffering to some degree. You know, I'm really just trying to be in control of that narrative and uh, come out on top. So that definitely helps with depressive aspects of dealing with chronic illness. I'm also blessed with great support network, a good group of friends that are very helpful in, um, in my journey. It makes it a little easier if you don't have to necessarily go through it alone. So Sounds like you've been um, pretty open with sharing with other people as well about your experiences. Yeah, I'm a pretty open book. I um, don't have too many reservations. It's uh, pretty easy to share with people when it seems like you can help. I don't know. I don't I don't try to, you know, say woe is me or try to feel sorry for myself or anything. But uh, I do, you know, appreciate those that are willing to listen and be there. And then Ellen, do you want to um, share a little bit about your experience? So mental health for me initially, very uh, overwhelming, taking all the information in, but decided not to let it get to me either. Uh, You stay strong, become your own advocate, stand up, brush all the information that you think you don't know much about it until you read about it and learn a little bit about how to understand what this is. Initially, I talked to a nurse, too, that's retired and became a therapist because I didn't know. I was starting to feel like I'm the only one that has this. Then I twisted it around and looked way beyond others that have a handicap or a like a disability, and it could be a lot worse than kidney disease. You don't, you don't know what's out there. That helped a lot, talking to others. Just like Sean mentioned, uh, when you have a really good support system, your immediate family, they're your cheerleader, cheerleaders, and it really helps a lot. I also partake in national uh, NKF MPKD walks and met others along the way that also share their stories, and you're not alone. It sounds like you've really embraced yourself into the kidney community with um, all the time that you've been diagnosed. Yes. It's the best thing that could really, when you think about it, the positive side more than the negative. The negative initially, that's, that's the part in the beginning where you don't understand it. Then you have to turn it around and create a more positive outlook and you'll get through it. Well, thank you for sharing that, both of you. Tracy, I'm going to turn things over to you. How has COVID-19 affected your patient's mental health? And then Sean and Ellen, I'm going to ask you after, how has it impacted you? Uh, So in my experience, the pandemic has really affected people um, in a variety of ways. Some people have learned to deal with it because a lot of patients that are on dialysis are essentially homebodies anyway. I think a lot of times they go out just to dialysis three times a week or during their uh, clinic appointments if they're a PD patient. But some people felt uh, isolated, they felt alone, and they did have some uh, feelings of depression or even anxiety. 
um, going out of the house, getting the supplies that they needed. And so um, sometimes the pandemic was very difficult and challenging for folks. And sometimes they were able to adjust by having some supports, uh, people that were coming in, leaving supplies for them, um, making sure that they were had food and um, they were taken care of. And so I just, it, I think it just depended on what the support system was, what the coping mechanism, uh, coping mechanisms were for people and um, how they dealt with it. Uh, I don't know if uh, Sean would like to speak to it. As far as dialysis goes and how COVID's affected it, I really haven't known anything different since um, I kind of started hemodialysis during the pandemic. I will say that I had just, I'm actually currently recovering from a bout of COVID that I had contracted a week ago. Um, I was recently in ICU and had been on oxygen for the past week. So that's been kind of uh, interesting, especially dealing with dialysis in the hospital. But uh, as far as the mental effects uh, that COVID's had in correlation to kidney disease and dialysis, I, I really don't know any different. Obviously, it's been a struggle regardless of COVID, but COVID's been kind of the norm moving into this chapter of my life. Well, I'm glad that you are back home and out of the hospital and seeming like you're better or recovering. So glad to hear that, Sean. Um, Thank you. Uh, Ellen, do you want to talk a little bit about your experience with uh, COVID-19 and, you know, how has that affected, you know, your mental health at all? So for me, a little different um, being that I have I do my treatments at home at night. So for me, uh, the only concern is that when I would go for clinic appointments, which is once a month, clinic and labs, the techs and the nurses, they kind of have to follow the guidelines with the temperature and just being careful, masking a little bit more, shields. Also, but mentally, what I wanted to share is I was given from my social worker some worksheets, mental health worksheets that were really helpful, um, exercises to help you so that you don't feel overwhelmed. And it all made sense. There was a mental thing where you, one exercise could be, uh, you have a box. So mentally in, in this box, put or put some concerns that you have that if you're traveling, what are some things you would take with you if you're going to, let's say, the beach? Um, I was, we were just kind of sharing different ideas of what to put in this imaginary box. So I started with taking a small journey to like the beach. When you get to that state of not knowing and you're kind of overwhelmed, you have to step back for a minute and just think, what can I do? to think this out and make it a little calmer so I'm not stressed. So she had some exercises, not just that, it was called the container. And there were some other things that were really uh, just about how you breathe and when you exhale, thinking about the breath when you're exhaling, you count out. And it really does make sense. And there were some suggestions like taking a walk, uh, doing your favorite thing, 
have a hobby that you haven't done or you want to go back to, read a book that you haven't done, um, start something new. And it really mentally does help. I know, Sean, what you're saying initially, you kind of don't know which direction to go in. But with COVID, it made everything a little more tight and there were rules to follow and things like that. So, but there were some good suggestions along the way. So it sounds like a lot of those suggestions were kind of, you know, stopping a little bit, pausing a little bit and starting something new. Yes. Going back to the sheets and rereading them and say, Oh, I didn't try that one today. Let me try that again. And it, it does, it does work. So the good news is that change is coming as more people get vaccinated and many ease back into a version of life before COVID-19. But studies show that a lot of people feel anxiety about opening up and interacting with others. Um, How do you feel about getting back to what we're calling now the new normal? This is a question for everyone. Uh, So I think that, you know, COVID is still continuing. You know, it's... um... It's, it's been a very long pandemic. I think that a lot of people um, have suffered, you know, really great losses from it. And, and I think we've learned a lot too. I think that as Ellen was saying, you kind of learn how to cope with being confined or being quarantined or not having the same normals that you had before. And so I think now, I think we're all mindful of contact with people and of, you know, wearing masks and of washing hands and being intentional about going to grocery stores and and going out in public at all. I don't know if we'll ever get back to the way things were as far as like being free to be. Um, But I think that it's been um, definitely a a powerful experience in knowing that you can't take anything for granted, that you have to live each day to the fullest, whether you're at home or out and about. And I think that um, if this is the new norm, we'll have to take it and stride and take each day at a time and learn and keep what we've learned from the pandemic at the forefront. That's really well said, Tracy. Sean or Ellen, uh, do you do you want to share your thoughts? Yeah, I think what Tracy said was great, touching on not taking anything for granted. There's so many things that we've kind of forgot about over the past, you know, year and a half that have been swept, you know, not swept under the rug, but, you know, forgotten about. And traveling being one is something that I'm thinking about. And it's something that kind of gives me a bit of anxiety, uh, not just with the amount of um, transaction people will have traveling, but uh, I, I mean, I, I haven't traveled since I've been on hemodialysis. I don't know what it's like to set up accommodations for doing, I mean, I mean like, you know, getting around. And uh, it's definitely induces some anxiety on top of coming back to normal with transit. And I don't know, it's just uh, a little overwhelming, but it's something I definitely, you know, want to pursue. It's something I miss and uh, can't wait to, you know, see some things. I'm young and don't want the parameters of these new way of life to uh, stop me from doing anything that I want to do. That's one aspect of the new norm that uh, I'm not fearful of, but uh, I'm a bit anxious about. And that's pretty normal. I think a lot of people are uh, having some of those reservations as well as they 
think about what what the future holds and how they're going to navigate things they used to do and miss doing. Ellen, how about you? I kind of agree with Sean. It is a little overwhelming in the beginning when you want to travel because the restrictions for, well, for a hemo patient, it's a little different for a peritoneal patient. Um, I did travel in the last six years. I did not go by plane. I drove to Massachusetts one year, one summer. Uh, you just have to take your supplies with you. You have to bring a, a table because, again, the anxiety of trying to discuss the outline of the setup of where you're going, and if you don't have what you need, you don't want to say, gee, I should have taken that kind of a thing. So you just kind of overthink it a little. You have to. And take along what you may need. But a hemo patient like is a little different. You have to actually find a location that provides the treatment, um, which you can go through your dialysis unit. And you just have to ask some questions. Uh, but as far as the new norm for me, it's just I noticed that the, within the clinic and the uh, meetings, I had started a support group before COVID, and it's disappointing because I can't see these people right now or talk to them due to the restrictions. So we tried to set it up. We're trying to get back and start it up again now. And just moving forward, I hope that we can all connect and just share what everyone's going through. Everyone has a story. Everyone's different. So there may not be a new normal. <laughs> there, we, we may stay this way for a little while, but then again, you will become so used to it that it'll become every day, like just getting up, getting dressed, using your computer, things like that. A routine, a new routine, a routine. right? Yes. Yes. What advice do you have, um, Sean and Ellen for your peers and Tracy for your patients as they cope with living with kidney disease. Again, to touch touch back on what I mentioned before is just uh, you know you're you're in charge of your own narrative. You uh, with the proper education and uh, right state of mind, you know you can overcome whatever life throws at you. I think it was mentioned before that it could always be worse. It could always be something greater. You know, you just got to roll with the punches, go through the motions, do the best that you can to um, play the hand that you're dealt. You know, with persistence, uh, I'm confident that you can get, get through anything. Thanks for sharing that, Sean. Ellen? You don't really have a choice. When this is presented to you, you have to be your own advocate. Be your own cheerleader, have your friends and family be there for you if you need them, and they are. The only thing that's tough is they don't understand what you're going through because they're not going through it, but they're there to support you, and that's the most important thing no matter what, no matter what goes on in your life anyway. Um, if it's not kidney disease and maybe it was something else you had to live with, just get involved with associations, take on... When COVID maybe is better, uh, take on a walk, meet others, talk to others, reach out to someone you don't know. You can become a new 
anybody. I think that when you have an opportunity to listen in or join a support group, you can even just Google. There's a few out there that I have listened into. Some are not what you think. They're not all sharing their stories. There's some that are a little more involved with diabetes or hypertension or another uh, health condition. So it, it can be a little overwhelming to listen. So if that's not your thing, just uh, go listen to something else. You got to keep going and not let it get in your way, even though it is overwhelming. When you feel that feeling mentally that, I don't know, I don't know much about this or I'm having a, a, a tough day with it, turn it around, make it more positive and not let it get to you. I just think it's good to talk to people, and, and that wouldn't, that's what helps me. And like Sean said, don't feel sorry for yourself because that doesn't go away. You have to take on the journey, and hopefully if you're going to get a transplant, it'll happen one day. It doesn't feel like it's going to for me. I've been waiting for a long time, so, but I'm hopeful, and I hope that it does happen. Keeping that spark of hope alive, that yes, is keep, very important. Yes, keep it alive and don't let that tunnel stay dark. You'll get that light. Tracy, do you have any um, suggestions about coping? So I would just piggyback on what Ellen and Sean both said. Um, I think not being isolated, um, not being uh, withdrawn, and reaching out to loved ones and people that care about you is extremely important. Um, socialization is key. You know, um, that old statement that people used to say is that no man is an island is very true. And so um, if you make, even if you can't get out, making a phone call, um, getting out to the fresh air, taking a walk, doing something that's going to kind of lift the mood elevator always helps. Um, and so if you have tools in your toolbox, you know, like if coloring is what soothes you or calms you, reading a book, journaling, um, just listening to music, whatever it is that's going to kind of help you through the tough part, um, I think is a thing that you can uh, use or that people can use to, to get themselves back into a place where they feel good again. And so, um, but I think the key is to getting help when you need it, reaching out and talking to folks that are going to give you the encouragement and the, um, the motivation that you need to do something different and better. And Tracy, what resources are available for patients who might be struggling with depression or anxiety? So there are um, some national hotlines, um, and I wanted to give the national ones because people that may be listening might be outside of Michigan or New Jersey. And so one of the places that they can start is the National Helpline. Um, that number is 1-800-662-HELP. Uh, there's also the National Alliance of Mental Health. Uh, that number is 1-800-940-6264. And lastly, uh, another number that I wanted to share is the National Institute of Mental Health. Uh, that number is 866-615-6464. And there are also um, local community mental health in everyone's area that can generally be found just Googling or um, going onto a website, or even um, making a phone call from the back of the insurance card. Wherever you are, there's help. Uh, no one is in this alone. And so, and if you, uh, if you can do that, or even to reach out to someone that you trust, they may also be able to help you get the resources that you need. 
to cope and to deal with what life has to offer you. Thanks so much for sharing all of those great options, Tracy. Ellen, I know you're a mentor with our NKF Peers program. Um, Can you tell me about why you decided to become a peer mentor? So in the very beginning, I uh, had just had a diagnostic workup. So that was in about 2013. I I remember saying to myself, what is kidney disease and how am I going to learn a little bit more about it? Uh, At the time, my nephrologist had recommended NKF, the PKD organizations to get involved with. So when I contacted NKF, they had a peer mentoring program, and I thought that is ideal for me. I need to speak to somebody because I knew in my mind I'm more of a people person. I wanted to share, uh, and it was important to me at the time because I didn't know. I didn't know anything. So I reached out to actually one of your uh, co-mentees at the time. She was a mentee and became a mentor. She was the first person I spoke to, and it was life-changing for me. Um, I, I, will not, I, I just thought it was the best for me just to speak to someone. They understand what you're going through because they were going through it at the time she mentioned what she was dealing with and so moving forward uh as a few years had gone on and i learned more about kidney disease how i can make it work for me i decided i wanted to give back and be a mentor to patients coming in such as sean and others that don't know and it becomes overwhelming because you don't know who to ask at times or if you have a question you're not at your unit you google but google sometimes has too much information you don't know if this is pertaining to you or not um you overthink it so it's baby steps everyone it really is you take it in baby steps start with something small and uh, you'll get there. You'll understand it. And and the patients coming in now are just sharing. They're just starting dialysis. They're just starting with kidney disease, and they don't know where to st- where to go as far as finding their information. Or their story is a little different than the person next to you. So it's mentally has helped me 110 percent. If if you didn't have this program, I would have probably just kept looking for something, but I I can't thank you enough, NKF rocks. I'm glad you found us. So does anyone else have anything that they want to share about, you know, mental health and their journey or anything? I want to add one thing to Marissa. Um, When you say try something new, I I will say uh, the music is definitely a big factor. I started listening to the Latino Spanish station. I have no idea what the song's about, but it's very upbeat and it puts you in a good mood. So that has, is tremendous. I, I can't, I laugh a lot because I don't know what they're saying, but if you're in the kitchen, you know, preparing dinner or you're just cleaning or doing something, you turn that on and you'll feel 100%. It's just just a great, it could be any station. It could be any kind of music, but that has really mentally, I think, turned it around for me. 
just like that. <laughs> I recommend that. That's awesome. I love hearing that. Yeah, that's great. Um, I would also like to add that depression and anxiety doesn't have to last all the time. You know, so there may be some bouts where it occurs when situations happen or circumstances happen or transitions happen, but there's always light at the end of the tunnel. And so hopefully people will be able to find that light. And then once they're illuminated and they feel better, then they'll have a good time or a good period um, and may not even go back to feeling depressed or anxious. I think that people should know that although you may be going through something right now, it doesn't have to last always. Yeah, I'd like to add that um, through some of the things I've gone through medically and whatnot through my life, I'd kind of found through like uh, Buddhism that um, thought of impermanence, all things good or bad will come to an end. You know, things don't last forever. And that's always kind of helped me. And I've, I uh, normally wear a uh, mala or these wood beads. And uh, those are you know, kind of physical reminder for me to, you know, realize that, uh, that ideology that, you know, things are cyclical and kind of, um, keep moving. And, uh, that's always helped me, uh, when, when times are dark. Well, I think these are all, you know, great stories and I appreciate you all sharing and, um, sharing with everyone who's hopefully going to hear this. Also, I just wanted to add to like, like Sean was mentioned, your whatever you believe in, if you have prayer or song or church or synagogue, that does help too. Um, but when you're in the moment, the like Sean was saying, you're you're not going to be there for a long period of time. So if it's a rough moment, you just say to yourself, "I'm going to get through this." I don't know how many times we have said this as a kidney patient and as a facilitator like you, Marissa, no matter what, Tracy, whatever you feel, it, it you'll get through that moment. And I, I say that a lot. And uh, and then the moment's behind you and you move on to the next thing moving forward. And it can be hard when you're in that moment, but sometimes yes. seeing other people that they've been through tough times also and that they've gotten through it and wow, if they've gotten through this, I can do it too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having role models in your lives, other people to kind of connect with, it's, it's great. Thank you, Sean, Ellen, and Tracy for joining us and being so open and sharing your experiences and insights. I'm sure it has resonated with many of our listeners. I hope that the resources and coping skills shared today are helpful to all who are listening. A mentor is someone with the power to impact another person's life, even more so when the person being mentored is facing a new kidney disease diagnosis or is considering donating a kidney. We wanted to give a big shout out to Jackie Jones, one of our dedicated NKF peer mentors who has provided support to 16 patients since 2018 and therefore changed their lives for the better. Thank you, Jackie, and to all of our peer mentors for all that you do in supporting your peers in the kidney community. We want to hear from you. Do you have comments on this episode, suggestions on future topics or guests? Is there a kidney hero in your life that you'd like to honor? Email us at nkfpodcasts at kidney.org. Make sure to subscribe, review, and share our podcast with others. Thank you again for listening. We hope you join us next time. 
Until then, from all of us at NKF, we wish you good health.